I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to another old school podcast. I'm Rick Lasky, and I'm sitting with my buddy John Salka. We are we, we are in we are in Somerset, New Jersey, for a company officer academy. Um, great, great group here. We've got uh, I think another full room tomorrow, um, John. For in fact, this one is about ninety percent volunteers. Uh, I guess we're in Franklin Township, which there's. I think four different districts, or four, I'm sorry, four different companies within that district. I think they're like District 1. Um, the Elizabeth Avenue Volunteer Fire Company and Chief Arthur Scott coordinated this to get us out here. And a uh, great group of guys and gals, and uh, looking forward to a great uh, next couple of days. Absolutely. Starting tomorrow morning. And uh, so we're here the night before, and we're told, figured we'd get, a, get one of our old school podcasts out there. We've got a couple of great topics we've been bouncing around. And uh, and we're ready for another one. I hope you are, too. Well, we drew, hey, we drove by their firehouse. Drove by their nice, nice beautiful, firehouse. Beautiful place. Nice firehouse. And uh, said so it's always interesting to, to see how different departments are set up. Volunteer career, like, you know, um, whether it's battalions or, in this case, districts within a particular township and how they'll make it work. And the, the chief was sharing with me how they each have their own specialty, you know, which is nice because rather than – trying to be all things to all people. They're, they're like Louisville. We used to focus, you know, we, we did a lot of stuff, but we really focused on our dive team. Nobody, I'm just, you know, they, they, they handled dive like nobody else, like nobody's business. And Capel was always the collapse rescue and, and, you know, confined space team. And it just, you know, Flowermont had the air lighting unit and, and along with Highland Village and everybody kind of special. So you're not, you know, you're, not, you're investing your money in good ways. Right, and you're not duplicating services or equipment or apparatus at the cost of a couple hundred thousand dollars a piece. Uh, you, a better use of the, uh, you know, citizens' read monies. Yeah, ex- exactly. It's the, you know, instead of everybody trying, and then they try to keep them motivated, you know, because uh, everybody's got a hazmat team. Everybody's got this. It's like there aren't there aren't that many calls to keep the, the, your guys and gals enthused and, and into it. So another great place, great, great to be, uh, for me, back in New Jersey. I know it's just across uh, – the water from you. Short trip. Short trip. trip. Hey, you know what? Um, uh, all the years, you, you and I met in the early 90s. Um, you know, we, we started the Save It Own program. You started the Get Out Live program. And when we started teaching together uh, in like 96 at FDIC after Penwell, now Clarion bought it. Um, you know, we, we actually, the first year we were staying next, we actually right next to you. Remember, I had my program with my guys. You had your program. And it was supposed to be 50 students, 50 students. It was like 100 and 100. And there was like only two of them that went to other venues. We just switched groups. So the next year we said, right, we told the you know advisory board that we were on, let's just let's just keep the whole all the students and just we just switch our groups at lunchtime. 
And then we were like two, two fifty, two eighty, two sixty. Ridiculous. <laughs> but it was all good. But it was. It was great. One of the areas, maybe we could talk about it on this particular episode. Um, you know, it, well, it was very much debated for the longest time was the ladder bail, whether you should do it or should do it, or how dangerous, blah, 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 blah. You know what? I, I've said forever, I think I even wrote it in my Pride and book, I could hurt myself with a sledgehammer if I try hard enough. Um, you want to do stupid stuff and you don't want, you know, when you train, you know, you need to take care of each other, you need to prepare, you need to protect your people. Um, and, uh, you know, every time somebody say, oh, you'll never do that, then another video would merge with a guy bailing out a window. And there are plenty of them. Oh, photos and videos and, and, oh. and descriptions of people jumping out windows all over the place. So the debate as to whether you should be doing it or not is really whether you should be training on it or not because it's going to really happen. So my idea always was if the chances are at least decent that it may happen to you or you may have to do that tactic – at least you should have some a couple of practice runs on it, some a little experience, you know. Well, you hope to God it never happens, but right. I want to know my guys know what to do right. if it ever does happen and yep. it pinch. So, yeah. so, so that that's where I'm kind of going with this one, buddy. Is it was always a remember when you were a kid and you you went with your buddies, your your, your girlfriends, your buddy, you know, bought your buds and all that. And you went to the carnival where the carnival was set up at the local park or whatever, come into town at the, you know the, the little strip mall or whatever, and you got on that one ride. It's a like the, it looked like a boat or a ship that would, there, it, it would, you would go all the way like up a and sometimes yeah, back, and forth, back yeah. and forth and you actually would go upside down. And if you were staying on the ground, you would get pelted with quarters and dimes and nickels and pocket knives and stuff and, and <laughs> all kinds of things would fall out all over the place from, from, from the kids on the rides and the adults. Well, I remember joking with you, it was the same thing when they would do the ladder bail. You know, when they would do ladder bail, and end up upside down, you'd very quickly understand just what everybody had in their turnout gear, their bunker, pants, coats, in their pockets, whether it's the, 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 you know, the pockets on your bunker pants or your bunker coat or whatever, because we were getting pelted yep. with tools and crap and stuff. And, and, and some of the stuff had nothing to do with the fire service. Right, like, right. what do you got this in there for? Um, so, you know what, let, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about... Um, uh, let me, we'll write this one down. How about we call this one now? Um, what's in your pockets? All right. And let's talk about that because that was always, that was always interesting. It was like, and there, there's been a couple of times where you actually, we had a little counseling session. You get, you know, young guy or gal for the science. Okay. Let, let's go through this big pile of stuff here. Right. Right. Okay. So what do you use that for? What's that for? What's that for? What's that for? What's that for? You know, you, you, you talk know. about a counseling session. I, I, my buddy, Richie Chimante, who was one of my instructors, you know, when we were doing Get Out Alive all over the country. I mean, we did it obviously together at FDIC, but we like you were out there, we were out there as well doing Get Out Alive all over the place. And, and one of the things he started doing was he would gather the crew that, w- that was about ready to do the ladder bail and the rope slide and the room orientation, all those things. And the first thing you do is sit them down outside and everybody, okay, take your coats off, take your helmets off, everybody squat down with you and talk a little bit. And one of the first things he would do was say, okay, empty Empty your pockets. <laughs> empty your coat pocket in front of you and empty it, you know, if you, if you got the pockets on your pants, which some folks do and some folks don't have the, almost you know, like, the side Almost pockets. like going through TSA nowadays. That's right. <laughs> um, and everybody would empty their pockets, both the pant pockets, you know, meaning the bucket pants, and, and, the, and the coat, turnout coat pocket. And we had a gigantic collection of stuff, some absolutely necessary that we were so happy to see, some absolutely ridiculous that we can't figure out why the guy was even carrying it. And 
you know, and some guys will overload it, just like anything else. Just like when you see a guy's car or a guy's locker, right? The, the guy that had a locker that you couldn't get anything else into is the guy that had the big full pockets, too. The hoarders. Right. That's what we should have called this show. Yeah, pocket hoarders. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it really was amazing, you know, and, and there were some absolute necessities, right? I mean, like, I mean, obviously, everybody has to have a pair of fly gloves to fight fires. And I've always said you have to have two. You have to have two pairs of gloves. There's no way you can go and fight a fire with, with – with two single gloves. You got to have another pair somewhere tucked in, in whatever pocket is you choose for whatever reason. And we'll talk about that as we move on here, but uh, a second set of fire gloves, not, not your, not your rescue gloves, not your hearse tool gloves that you keep in your pocket in case you get a, a, a different kind of a job. But uh, I was always adamant about that. You drop one glove while stretching a hose or while, you know, separating your tools to force a door. Also you're down to one glove. Now you got to, well, you know. And nowadays, like I have, I, I have on my gear at Wichita West, I've got one of the glove keepers I've had for years. Hanging right Snaps there. Snaps right there. I don't even have to put my gloves in my pockets. I just pull that the Velcro. I got both my gloves so I can have the second set in. And they're the only ones that are in your pocket. And never have to touch them right. unless right. I absolutely need them. Absolutely. You know, and or I, I have those extrication gloves maybe on one side and the other gloves on the right. other. I'm not saying don't carry extrication gloves. Right. You gloves. need to have yeah. you know, you need to have a separate set of fly gloves with you for sure. For sure. And where you carry them, I always found it easy. Not only easy, but I found it convenient and even safer to carry my gloves in my in my pant pocket. Because no matter what I was doing, if I was standing up, if I was crawling, I suddenly I realized, holy crap, I dropped the glove. I could just quickly go to my right pocket and pull out my right glove, or to my left pocket and pull out my left glove. And I knew what, I wasn't hunting. I wasn't searching which glove is this, which glove is that. Well, and I kept them in separate pockets. Some guys are going to go, well, wait a minute. What are you doing inside? Well, you know what? Maybe it's a, it's a top floor fire and you're stretching your gloves. Or... I've been outside where I went, where the hell? I just had a glove. I just, I was kneeling on him. Exactly. As I put my face piece on, I'm looking, well, where'd it go? It got kicked. Right. Maybe the guy walking by me, walking by me, right. you know, hey, we're going in the heading to search. He kicked it out of the way or whatever. Exactly. At least I know I've, I've, I've got one no matter what, you know, when, when that time comes to it. Now, one of the things, and, and you and I have talked about this before, you know, just like the, the pockets, uh, some of our helmets tend to get boogered up with stuff sometimes. And, you know, the, I, I've been a big fan of door chocks for a long time. I mean, I think, you know, uh, when you're searching, when you're, when you're stretching hose or whatever, chocking the door open when you need to. You know, obviously you want to do door control and all that stuff. But when there's a time when you want the door open, you want it to stay open. And um, now, and, and, and don't let me forget to talk about Andy and the Andy door chock. Well, we'll actually talk about that right now because a lot of guys, you know, on their helmets, you know, whatever. I've always said the fancier the, the door chock or the it, the hinge pin chock, you know, the little hinge pin holder for, for the fancier it is and the more money spent on it, the less likely you're, you're likely you're there to leave it in the door when you need it. I've seen guys put it in there and then they're done and they pull it out to go somewhere. I said, well, what, what about the last guy? You know, so if, if I, the, the ones I've seen, John, that are all painted up and all really beautiful and nice and all that stuff, you know, I'm like, unless, you know, we are you turning it into a possession rather than just a little tool or a little disposal chop that you can just walk past and exactly. forget about and pull another one out? I used to say, what? Go back, go back to the firehouse, get that two by four, get a box, a cardboard box in the back of the bay with your, with your circular saw, just go zing, zing, zing. Even though it's probably going to cost you 10 bucks now for a two by four. Yeah. <laughs> and you can fill up a box of, you know, if you leave them, if you lose them, who cares? We always had a box of chops right yeah. on the back toolbox and you just, Put the fresh one up after a job because you knew the other one was gone. And I know guys that would grab scrap, grab scrap lumber. Yeah, they'd see it laying there. You know, a half of two by four or four footer cuts a lot of door chocks. So, so that being said, I used to keep mine 
I used to keep my, I used to keep one in each one of my pants pockets. Now you mentioned, I used to keep it in each one of my pants pockets on my bunker pants. So if I'm laying on my left, I can grab it to my right. If I'm laying on my left, I can, uh, or my right, I can grab it to my left. But before I move on, Andy did something. You know, you talked about Andy before. Yep. That Andy was always, not, not an OCD way, but he was always trying to figure out how to make something work better. He was always him. thinking. He was yeah, always, always thinking. thinking. Always yeah. thinking what a great, great guy. And, he, and he's still teaching people. Look, we're going on 20 years and since we're he talking was about it right now. And he's still teaching fibers. But he did that, right, where he took the door chalk, and he, in the center of it, he took a, the little, like, grinder or whatever you do, just in the ball, and would just and just notch it. Put took a little bit of the fat out of the middle. So instead of sliding underneath the door, and you know, I've seen some guys, they, they put it underneath there without putting their foot there and or holding it and pulling the door against it. So it's it's tight because they don't do that. The door slides closed. Or the next guy that bangs the door, it. it pops out. and then This one, he could stick that door chuck in the door jam, in between the, by the hinge, like on top of a hinge. Right. On, on top, top of the of middle the hinge. hinge between yeah. the door and the jam. And, and turn it sideways, and it would lock in place. Right. Normally, you wouldn't be able to turn it sideways because the chuck is just too fat. But he shaved it in just a way in the middle that it would turn sideways. And now you couldn't get that chalk out of there if you pulled it. Yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. have to actually turn it sideways again and pull it out. And locked it and on top the hinge, like you said, important because that doesn't slide down and fall. And that open. door could swing open and then swing back to the chalk and stop again. And it would, would never close. Never have to worry about and it. And I don't know where he came up with it, if he designed it himself or if he picked it up somewhere and, and then made it famous, you know. But it was a great, a great well, he, Discovery. He taught, I remember him teaching that, and he gave one to me. It's sitting on my bookcase at home yep, with yep. my name written on it. Yep. So, so that being said, you know. We it, know you need chops, at least uh -huh. a couple. Right. Andy, so you got that. Now. But, but you start to talk about the helmet. Well, we're, we're talking about the helmet and, and um, you know, some of the guys put the door chocks on there. And not to get too far away from the pockets, um, you know, Tommy Trevino taught me another thing. That was the thing. He used to buy a bag full of the flat concrete cut nails. And, 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 you know, I'm like, wait, what do you got those for? He goes, because I, I buy for like 75 cents back then. And, and he says, you know, you always tell the guys that don't use their door chocks a lot because the rubber band on their helmet, when they go to pull the door chock out, their rubber band falls off their helmet or off from behind it. Right, right. They have it on front because they haven't used it. They haven't pulled it out. He says, I put, I put the concrete cut nails in there. I slide them on my helmet. He goes, I stick one in the door stop of the door, close the door so it's stuck in there. He goes, same thing, open, close, it doesn't go anywhere. And you can leave, and who cares? Just the nail. Yeah, right. if that, right. a quarter of a cent. But, but here's the thing, you know, when we talk about what's in your pockets, right, um, or what's hanging off your gear. Um, another thing, uh, and again, I'm, I'm kind of drifting from the pocket thing, John Norman talked a long time ago, when we do it, when we first start teaching saving our own, about, you know, what, we were talking about, you know, side cutters, we'll get that in a second, and Leatherman tools and Gerber tools and all that. He says, he goes, I like this. And he actually, and I want you to talk about what they did when they were in the rescue together. But, and I, ha I still had mine. It's about a four inch, about a four inch blade. All the whole thing serrated on the one side. Okay, sharp, but serrated, still could cut. But if you got hung up, if you got tangled, <laughs> if you got whatever, and you could only move one arm, it was always snapped to the outside of your coat. One in your pocket, it was right like on your chest where you could grab it. And you could grab it, and you could throw it open with just with your thumb. A little folding knife. A little right. folding, but a four, but a four incher with this serrated end. You could cut through the the slinky stuff, the the ductwork thing, all that stuff. And, and sometimes it's only just that one you got to cut through right. to get yourself right. out. 
So he taught me about that, but let's talk about the Gerber slash Leatherman tools. I guess there's all different kinds of brands, right. all one right. tool. Because I actually carry one. The multi tool. Yeah, right. The I got one on my belt right now. I always have one with me. Always have one with me, and I use it five times a day. Whether it's changing the batteries for Colleen's toys, or you know, adjusting you know the the latch on the back door when I'm going out of the house, I see it's loose or something like that. I always find a use for that. And having a multi tool of of whatever brand you know, your favorite is, is a great thing to have because most of them have a blade, some kind of a saw, uh, a Phillips head, you know, different types of screwdrivers, all in there, plus the pliers, plus the cutters. You're talking about five or six separate little hand tools, all in one little piece of metal, all in a little pouch. And again, that pouch could be, some guys wear it on their, on their uh, radio strap. That's right. right? Some guys wear them on a coat, like sewn in somewhere. Some guys just have the, the Leatherman inside, you know, dropped in a pocket and they only have to take it out of a little pouch. They can well, just you, reach in their pocket. You mentioned something earlier. So you know, the thing you talked about earlier was um, the spring loaded um, side cutters. Cause a lot of guys carry side cutters if they end up entangled with, you know, right. crap falling out of seams and so forth. And I think that's a really good point. The spring loaded ones, because if you can only get what you say, if you only get one hand out, right. And a lot of guys are carrying some kind of, you know, wire cutter, side cutter, in case they get tangled up, whether it be a cable wire in a hallway or it could be the electrical wire from somebody's big, gigantic collection of extension cords and their televisions and everything else. All of a sudden, you're tangled up in it, right? You can cut through all of that stuff. But if you if you jam it closed and it either gets not caught or pinched, but it just it just closes and cuts, now it's closed. You release it, it stays closed. It doesn't pop back open. You're going to have to get another hand on it or you're going to have to grab one of the handles and and pull the other handle open to re to recut to do more cutting, and they and they make plenty of them. They're more expensive, of course, but you can get spring loaded. You can get so when you release it, it opens right back up again. You can cut another one, cut another one, cut another one, and it just keeps opening back up, which is the way to go because we're operating in the dark and in the heat and and you know hazardous conditions. It's going to save yourself some time. Well, and, and you mentioned like the Leatherman or Gerber tools or multi multi tool. Um, the nice part about that is when you open them up. It's almost like spring. It's it's, right. it's wide open like that. But the problem is most of those take two hands. I, I like mine, but they take two hands to open them up. Right. For the cutter part, yeah. yes. But, but all the other tools makes up for the difference. So you might even have a Gerber tool or, or a multi-tool and have a separate heavy-duty cutter with a bigger blade on it and, and rubber, you know, rubber grips on it that you're going to use as your cutter, even though the multi-tool has the cutter on it. So it's not like you're carrying too much there because you're going to get all your, you know, your, your screwdrivers out of it, your saw blade and all sorts of other stuff too. Well, and some, I think some of the, when we talk about what do you have in your, what's in your pockets, what do you have in your pockets? I know a, a lot of guys that work in the high-rise districts or the, the multi-family dwelling, you know, districts where you have a lot of those, where you're out into the, the hallways with the self-closing doors with the lock, you know, the, you know, that, that help protect um, the residents so people can't get in back, you know, off, off a common stairwell or whatever. Um, with the inner tubes, I thought this was always kind of cool. You saw it made out of plastic later, but, you know, that, that did nothing more than you had a hole cut once. That was like a, a rectangle strap. You, you, you pulled one over one doorknob, you pulled another doorknob, and the latch couldn't latch right. the door. Or just a, or just a, or just a loop. So you take a truck tire and you cut it into slices, and now you got this round six-inch loop of rubber. You you put one side around one doorknob, and then you put the other side around the other doorknob. And again, it's it's tight against the, exactly. the latch of the door, and it's not gonna and it's not gonna close. Exactly. Something I, I want to bring up before I, I forget about it. 
totally separate from forceful entry or chocks or doors or nails is uh, when I was a captain of 48 engine, I carried a little cheap plastic adjustable fog straight stream nozzle, like the kind that you find on the, the standpipe in a hotel. Right, right. What did they have on there for the civilians to right. use? I had one of them in my pocket, very light, very inexpensive. If I lost it or it got broke, I, w I wouldn't care. But I had that with me because because we always use FDNY. We only use smooth bore nozzles off standpipes. We don't use adjustable fog straight stream. There is no fog stream available in a high rise building on a standpipe. So once the fire is knocked down, if I want to vent out a window, or if I want to use fog for some reason, I can I can tell the nozzle man shut shut the line down, take the tip off, and screw this thing on there. And suddenly now we have a little fog tip. Like I said, very inexpensive, nothing fancy, a cheaper one like you find, they buy them by the box in the, ho in the hotels and the high-rises, you know, and that worked out really well. The other thing I used to carry was the OST or the outer stream tip, which is a little little tiny half-inch tip oh, yeah, that yeah. actually screws on the end of the mainstream tip on a smoothbore nozzle. The, the mainstream tip is the one everybody uses to fight fires. There's actually threads there, and you can thread an outer stream tip on that down to a half-inch and use very little water for wash down, you know, in an effort to, to not use too much water and ruin the floor below and all the other stuff. And, and it works great. So I carried those two little things in my pocket as the offside. Again, nothing that I would suggest every firefighter to carry, but certainly every decent engine officer should should consider that if you have, you know, if you're not if not already using just right. the flawed straight stream. Well, and I, like I said, I like the keepers because it, it keeps the gloves out. It makes it, I don't have to reach in the pockets and pull Velcro flaps open. I can get my gloves on right away. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, like I said, I think it's kind of, you know, it relates to the company on and where you're at. You're, you know, like we were talking about before, when you're specking your rigs, your apparatus, spec them for what you need. Not for, like, I want to look like FDY in Chicago or LA Oh, what you see in a magazine. Right. Yeah. What, what, do, what are our specific needs for our, our, our areas, our town, our coverage? I think the same thing with what you carry in your pockets. You know, if you do a lot of alarms, if you do a lot of resetting alarms and pull stations that, Having that little Allen key, having that, you know, there's just certain things, you know, you may want to, Ray Hoff, you look at, God bless, God, God rest Ray, when he was the captain on, on, on Tower Ladder 10 in Chicago, in fact, there's a beautiful oil painting of him that an artist did, and we were actually at a, at a, at a uh, swap meet at a, at, a, at a buff job looking, and we walked up, and I'm looking, and I go, that's you. He would, we actually bought it for him. It, it, Jamie bought it. That, that's you. It was a picture of the, it was the, the captain. And I remember because he had his elevator keys, because his, his own elevator keys on the outside, like snapped right here, where he just had them because he goes uh, all day long. I was my elevator keys. I was, I'm know. so glad you brought that up because you just reminded me of something else. <laughs> when I was Lieutenant Squad One, now, now, now this is two things the K tool. I always carried the K tool. Now, obviously, there's a K tool. There should be a K tool on every fire engine or every fire truck, right? Certainly every truck. Well, we talked it, about right? this on our K tool show. show yes, we did. With this. So, so, if you leave your K tool in a leather pouch or even outside the leather pouch in the dashboard or on the on the glove compartment, that's where it's going to be when you're up on a third floor looking for it. So, I used to always carry it, and I know plenty of guys that do. Matter of fact, I carried it and used it and handed it off to firefighters to use so many times that eventually it broke. Eventually, either one of the blades popped off or, or the back piece that you slide the ads into broke off. I can't remember which. But anyway, having said that, so so if you're carrying and you frequently use or, or are ready to use the K-Tool, you can't just use the K-Tool. There's something that goes along with the K-Tool. The K-Tool is, is absolutely useless unless yeah. you have the key tools the key tool. that come with the K-Tools. Yeah. Now, listen to this. I'm bouncing around the rescues when I'm a young officer. Didn't get a spot yet in squad one. 
And there was a, a firefighter out there in Rescue 5, and I'm embarrassed that I can't remember his name. God, it's 30 years ago now. Um, and we were drilling on forceful entry and K-tools, and I was, you know, I was carried mine even back then. He gave me, they, somebody gave the, everybody in the company a set. It was a, a key ring with a little snap hook on it so you could, you could attach it to anything. And hanging off the bottom of the key ring were three of the key tools, custom made. Each one was made, the 1532nd squared, and then the straight blade, and then the little L, the L, little L bent blade. All three of them were dangling off that little keychain, and he gave me a set. He said, here, you, I know you'll use these. And I had them snap to the top snap button on my turnout coat for the rest of my career. You could hear me coming anywhere as long as I was wearing my turnout coat. I always had them, and they were attached to the top button. I could always just use the K tool. I could always just say, hold on, but here it is. You didn't have to go searching for it. You know, sometimes you see those key tools are slipped into the – the shaft or the handle of the officer's tool. And there's a lot of places that they have them, but I found it so convenient to carry that little, again, it's not in the pocket, but it's still a little piece of equipment that you're carrying. That's always with you. Take your coat off. It's on your coat, put your coat on. It's on your coat. It never left unless I actually deployed it. Well, again, you know, specific needs, little, little quirks, little wants, little desires that, you know, Hey, I'm going to need this, or I'm tired of I'm tired of having to run back out to the rig and get this, or ask somebody else. Anybody have of this? Anybody have of that? And you put that smile on your face. You go, yeah, I got my gun. They turn around, go, Salka, you got that? Yeah, I, I have it with me right now. I always do, you know. So, and one thing, one thing we didn't bring up um, uh, that that I want I don't I want to make sure I don't forget is either a personal rescue rope or a personal little like a lot of guys. A lot of truck guys carry the utility rope. They got a small, just with with some with a, a figure eight on each end, with a little snap. a decent rope, not yeah. a piece of crap little Manila rope, but a decent rope. Yeah, but not a dedicated like life saving rope. Yeah, or with, with, with a with a self closing D ring yep. that you could throw off to the side and, and hoist up a nozzle, you know, drag, yeah, drag something out. Or yep. uh, you know, and I remember videotaping this in um, uh, uh, Brooklyn um, when it was a two thirty five engine with, with your friend John, John Cullen. Cullen. Uh, one, of the, one of the truck guys, the roof guys, with his Halligan, with the, the little chain link. Oh, welded, yes. Oh, yes. Snapped it on there and was thrown over the side. He you was, throw that Halligan like you're trying to throw it across the street. And, and when it gets to the end of the rope, which you pre-measured before you threw it, that slams through that window like he, it came from, from an airplane. I watched him, and you know, I know he's got his – he lowers it down to the window. Yep. He looks over. And holds that spot. It, steps on it. Yep. Steps on it so he knows. Pulls it up. Has it. Like you said, throws it, smash, and one, two, three, boom, boom. And I went, you know, so again, whether he's using that rope for that or he's using it to hoist a tool or from floor to floor. Or off Tie up a mattress it. after a mattress fire so it doesn't keep reigniting while you're getting it out of the building. I mean, my gosh, there's so many, so many. Here's a question for you, and I have the answer just in case you don't come up with it. What's a very, probably the lightest, the lightest tool you could carry, and it's a forcible entry tool, and everybody should have one. And you could wear it in your helmet. I'm trying to think because right now I was getting ready to talk about webbing, you know. Oh, the, oh, all right, yeah, we're talking the uh, uh, shove knife. Yep, a I, little shove knife. I, That's I, right. I had two. I had one that you know you can buy. You can buy the one uh, from from Firehose. Yeah, it's got it's the like little plastic handle on it's it. Like, it's like a slinger for getting another. But it's just very short. short. Yeah. Or another John Norman trick: you could cut out a tin. Cut yourself a little, like two inch or three inch piece with a, an end with a notch and all that, right. and then wrap it with electrical tape, whatever it is. Yeah, so you right. can cut yourself. Right. If you're a cheapie, and you yeah. can slide it, <laughs> you're a cheapie, and you can slide in there, 
and just enough to get me out of poop to pull. Still works great. Out. Lots of residential, lots of house locks and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, Still yeah, works but, great. But back to those doors, and that's that makes you the difference between you getting burned up with whoever the guys in the unit are reaching with their fingers and they trying to get out with the door closed down. Yep. You know, trying to get out as they're on fire versus not being able to reach in there and just kind of pull that little latch and Absolutely. off you go. Absolutely. That's a great one. I love the shove knife. You know, it's the old credit card trick that people yeah, used to, you know, yeah, criminals yeah. used to do. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, just think about, I mean, and there's probably more, you know, the guys could be listening to this and they're going to go, yeah, I carry this and I carry that. I, I guess if we're going to, if we're going to send a message, it would be, be specific. Be, spe- be specific. Make sure it's a needed thing in your pocket, right? And that you're not hoard like the hoarder pockets, <laughs> right? Well, you're not you're not becoming a mechanic, you know. When you got twenty sets of tools on you, the the other thing you got to think about is where am I carrying these tools? Because like the shove, not, not the shove knife, but let's say the multi tool and things of that yes. nature. The multi tool is not necessarily an emergency tool that you need at the last minute. At the you know. Your gloves might be, um, the shove knife might be. Exactly. But but some stu- some stuff you can have in your coat pocket, and when you get to it, you get to it. A tool we haven't mentioned yet that I never that I never went without was was in a little adjustable wrench, right? Now, you don't want to have 10 different opening wrenches in your pocket. Like I said, you're not a mechanic, but there's a thousand things like gas leaks and, 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 and plumbing emergencies and stuff like that where you're going to need different size wrenches. And at least if you have the one, if you have an adjustable wrench that open, slides open and closed, you can at least adjust it to different sizes and tighten down, you know, tighten down a thread on a, on a faucet for somebody who's, you know, sink or tub is leaking or an outside pipe that needs to be repaired or whatever it is that you maybe get into somewhere. Maybe you got to take the bolts off of a fence to get in somewhere, but it's not a dire emergency where you're just going to cut it with the saw. So, a, a, a an adjustable wrench is a nice thing, but again, that's not something you should have to get in, a, in you know urgently. That can be tucked into your pocket somewhere in a little pouch with you know one or two other little things. And, and again, you know, we're talking specifics here. Um, you don't want to be dragging your your bunker pants or your coat around with you because you have so much crap on. And I guess that you know we started off talking about that the the carnival ride with. I mean, and it was kind of comical because you hear everything hitting the rungs on the ladders. And yeah, ladder yeah. Bang, you look and you go, and some of you go, okay, you lost your cutters or you lost this. Then you go, what, what, what is this? What, what are you doing with a pair of scissors in your pocket? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, so what are we talking about? We talked about a chalk. We talked about the K tool. talked about the key tools for the K tool. Second set of gloves or your rescue gloves. Right. Second pair of gloves or a utility rope, uh, a adjustable wrench. You said the shove knife and then shove knife. Uh, single blade, maybe serrated blade that you can hang out. Yeah, we looked at seven, eight, nine different little oh, tools God. here, which is you got a bunch of pockets too, right? You got at least four pockets, two on a coat, two on a pants. You, you divide stuff up into the different places based on their accessibility. That that's we don't need twenty items. If you come up with twenty items, there's there's a good use for twenty items, but you just can't carry twenty. You know? Well, and again, I'll say one more time. Where are you at? What are you riding? You know, you may be carrying stuff a little bit different. If you're assigned to a truck company, a ladder company, you might be carrying different stuff than the guy. You don't needs. need that nozzle. That's right. You know, a truck also doesn't need the adjustable nozzle in his pocket like the engine. Exactly. Officers. If you work in a, in a district that's predominantly residential, that's going to be different from the, the person that works in a predominantly commercial district right. Right. or high-rise district. So, again, you know, like you spec your rig, spec, your, spec what you're carrying in your pockets. Make sure it's what you need and it's not just extra crap. First of all, it's probably going to get in the way when you need something important out of your pockets to get out. It's going to be like, oh, I don't need this. Oh, I don't need this. Mary Poppins. Oh, look at right, this. Right, right, out of the right. bag. 
you know, instead of instead of what you need. So, golly, and I'm sure we missed some stuff. But oh, I know we have, but uh, they'll let us know. It's what <laughs> <laughs> a good topic. What's it? What's it? What's in your pocket? So good to you know what this is a good uh, for for the company officers that are dialed in when they sit down at roll call or on the floor roll call or they are they hand their talk and they go or they're just having coffee at the kitchen table like hey all right here's a question for you what do you got in your pockets right wow. now right now what do you have in your pockets and it's like and the new firefighters new young recruits or probies you know trying to decide what to carry it's not policy it's not like department policy you must carry this 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 right. so everybody makes some personal choices and hopefully uh this episode will will you know, go a long way and helping somebody decide maybe what they need or what they don't need or what they should carry or not. Obviously, young new firefighters should be talking with the senior folks that they work with and the officers that they work with for ideas on that. Well, another back to the basics. It may seem pretty basic, but it's pretty important. And it'd be pretty important for you when you get jammed up and you need something right away. Absolutely. Another good topic. Great. Another good one. Uh, Email, buddy, if they want to get a hold of you. ChiefJohnSalta at gmail.com. And I'm ChiefLasky at gmail.com. We appreciate you tuning in again. Spread the word about our old school uh, podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and my YouTube channel so we can hit all the different machines out there that people are listening to. Um, uh, we hope we get to see at FDIC um, or at one of our conferences across the country. We ask you every time we do one of these shows and when we end it to please keep the men and women armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. We appreciate you. Be careful, be safe, and God bless you.